What's going on, everybody? Wow. Who would have thought? Episode 1. The State of Southeastern. Before we get into the show, just want to give a big shout out to everybody who has uh, uh, given their feedback on what I'm trying to do here. Uh, there's going to be three people listening to this to this show. Three kinds of people, right? You know, you've got my friends who I adore, and they're great. They're awesome. But then you've got also the people who, you know, we're doing this for, who I'm doing this for, and that's uh, the people like me who this school in Hammond, Louisiana, just made such an impact on them that they decided that they weren't going to follow LSU. They weren't going to follow, you know, in my case, I grew up an Ohio State fan because of my dad. My dad's from Ohio, but they were going to follow this FCS school, this mid-major school in southeast Louisiana, southeastern Louisiana, because of what it means to them. And we are a loyal group, and uh, we deserve to have people pronounce the name of our school right. So the third group of people are fans of uh, the University of Idaho, and I will say, unfortunately, um, I will not be talking about that game on this show. If you are a fan of the University of Idaho, come back on Friday. We're going to have a full uh, preview of the FCS playoff matchup between Southeastern and Idaho. And with that, welcome again to the first episode of the State of Southeastern. I'm John Sartori. On today's episode, we're going to recap uh, Southeastern's win over South Alabama. We've got a great interview with Southeastern Louisiana head volleyball coach Jeremy White. And then we're going to talk about some uh, some past Lions, what they're doing to wrap up the show. Got two. Got two we're going to talk about today. Uh, big week. Big week, obviously, the FCS playoffs, but kind of a slow week, Uh in terms of athletics, we got women's basketball playing Dillard. The Blue Devils, B-L-E-U, Blue Devils. And then on Saturday, we got men's basketball against William Carey. And then, of course, the playoff game. The only basketball game at the D1 level with us was uh, last night. Southeastern goes on the road to South Al, goes into Mobile, and aside from the first quarter, first half of the first quarter, dominates. A dominant performance, second road win of the year. It's only the 10th time a Southeastern team this year has gone on the road and won. There are now 10 cities that we've gone into and and won. 64-40, that's your final. So, second road win of the year. And let me pull up the stats here. Let's pull up the stats. Huh? Why not? Why not pull up the stats, right? When we got them, we got them at our fingertips, folks. So, we might as well use them to our advantage. Southeastern won the first quarter 13-8. to That was uh, the second closest quarter. They actually, uh, both teams tied in the third. 
14-14, apiece. That third quarter, the only quarter in which the Jaguars scored double-digit points. Southeastern shoots 39% from the field. They hold South Alabama to just 26%. 277 people in attendance to watch this one. That equates to 3% of the attendance capacity inside the South Alabama gym, which I will find the name of here. Want to get it right? 3% of the Mitchell Center packed for that one. Big time win. Again, we're back at home Friday against Dillard. Double-double for Chrissy Brown in this one. 10 points, 10 boards. Taylor Bell, Huntington High School product. 17 points, 6 rebounds. She leads the way in scoring. And how about this? We shot 2 for 15 from 3 and won by 24 points. It wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. Big win. South Alabama has really struggled against teams from Louisiana. They already lost to Tulane, and now we added to it. Big win. Again, Friday, Dillard. Saturday, William Carey for the men. All right. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but... The uh, the Southland Football Awards were announced today. Lindsey Scott earns Offensive Player of the Year. That's not shocking. And I got to say, you know, I'll probably talk about this with our guest on Friday's show, just about Lindsey Scott. But say what you want about Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott has... You know, he goes to Nichols. They have that great start to the year. But then, you know, by the end of the year, there's a reason he transferred. You know, Cohen Grenier came in and he was, he looked like the guy. When Lindsey Scott Jr. went to UIW, I didn't know if he was going to live up to the expectations. And man, he has. So, look, I, I, give, I give a ton of credit to Lindsey Scott Jr. He's your player of the year, offensive player of the year. I gave it to Lindsey Scott. It's actually... Deontay McMahon from McNeese. That's your uh, that's your offensive player of the year. Okay, UIW's Kalakai Anya Lebecki. Anya Lebecki is your defensive player of the year. The newcomer of the year, Zach Patterson. Zach Patterson, the wide receiver from Northwestern State. Eli Ennis from Nichols is the freshman of the year. And how about John Allen? Offensive lineman of the year. Look, we've had these guys who make a name for themselves on the O-line. If, I, if, if you are a household name on the O-line, you're good. John Allen is. He's your offensive lineman of the year. And how about Frank Selfo? Coach of the year, Frank Selfo. Southeastern has 14, most in the conference, And uh, Coach Selfo, that's his second Coach of the Year honor. Running down the list of the first-team offense, Julian Gums, great career at Nichols, 
all-time leading rusher in Nichols history, first-team offense. Uh, some other guys, Andrew Armstrong, who I believe entered the transfer portal from Commerce, the wide receiver. Let me check on that. I'm pretty sure he did. Yes. So he will probably not be returning to the Southland. But hey, you know, one year in the Southland, you get first-team All-Southland honors? That'll go on the resume. Now I lost the uh, the list of the list of the uh, Southland Conference awards. Got to pull them back up. Give me a second because I don't have them off the top of my head. All right, Austin Dunlap finally gets an All Conference nod after three years. Deserved. Caleb Johnson, UIW's on the O-line, along with Evan Roussel and Reed Francis of UIW. Calvin Barkett, Barkat, either or from McNeese, is there as well. The defense is uh, a lot of UIW guys and a lot of Southeastern guys. Chris Whitaker, Stephen Parker, both from UIW on the D-line. Celestin Abba from Texas A&M Commerce, is on the D-line. Masri Mapiu from McNeese is there. And then the uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Kelakai Anya Lebecki from UIW. Graduate student from Pearland, Texas, at linebacker Cordell Williams from McNeese. Rodney Dansby from Houston Christian gets the Huskies in there. Jack Henderson Comes in at the DB position, as does Zy Alexander and Fernando Jordan. The no-fly zone. Jack Henderson has been so good. Zy comes in. Fernando comes in. And then, uh, rounding out the DBs. Dante Thompson from UIW and Deontay Smith from Commerce. Gage Larvidane is your all-conference kick returner. BJ Busby is the punt returner. So the second team, the former Lion, Marcus Cooper from UIW, he's doing awesome. He's the second team running back. Zachary Clement, who began the year as the second string quarterback at Northwestern State, is the second team quarterback. Carlos Washington gets the nod at running back, along with Ivan Drabaki and Gage at wideout. Jai Orgeron, Dom Sarabiglia III, and Riley Callahan, the other Lions on the second team. Offense, that is. And then uh, Arlen Williams and Dante Daniels are on the second team defense. Do we have third team? Okay, good. We don't because that was getting monotonous. Again, Frank Selfo wins Coach of the Year for the second time. The Lions are headed back to the playoffs. We'll have a preview show on Friday for that. John Allen graded out 92% or higher in all 10 games he played in to win Offensive Lineman of the Year. Austin Dunlap, Jack Henderson, Zy Alexander, Fernando Jordan, Gage Larvidate, Carlos Washington Jr., Ivan Drobaki, Dom Sarabiglia, Jai Orgeron, Riley Callahan, Arlen Williams, Dante Daniels are your all-conference selections. And with that, all the boring stuff out of the way, we get to our 
featured part of the show. Can't thank this guy enough for deciding to be the first ever guest on the State of Southeastern. Great interview. Southeastern head volleyball coach, Jeremy White. All right, we are now joined by Southland Conference Tournament Champion, head coach of the Southeastern Louisiana Volleyball Team, Coach Jeremy White. Coach, first of all, I mean, you got to add that to the title. Whenever, you know, you got people who are doctors, they introduce themselves as a doctor, you got to just introduce yourself as Southland Conference Tournament Champion now, Jeremy White. <laughs> nah, that's, that's pretty awesome. I'm proud of our kids, man. They put in all the work and um, you know, allowed allowed us to have this great season and, and you know, culminating in a conference championship is pretty tremendous. And we're excited about the NCAA tournament in a couple of weeks. Well, also, you are the first ever guest on the show. So again, that's another thing. I mean, it's a big week for you. You know, you got the tournament championship and you're the first guest. I mean, what does that mean to you? I know, I know four years ago when you took this job, you said, I can't wait to be the first guest on John's show. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's awesome. I kind of like it. It's funny. It's not, it's not even the first, first today. Uh, wow. I did a, a digging it podcast this morning, um, for VSN and apparently now I'm the first, uh, two timer ever. So I feel pretty pumped because uh, <laughs> well, Tanya over at LSU has only been on once. So I'm, I'm, I'm winning two to one right now. Exactly. You were talking with Eric. Yeah. Yeah. I, right before I got my current job, Eric was my boss. So small world, man, small world. He's, he's doing great things for volleyball in the state of Louisiana. Um, now let's, let's get into it, coach. I mean, because the thing that I wanted to ask the most was when you interviewed for this job, when you were offered this job, this program was not only just, they weren't okay. I mean, they were one of the worst programs in division one volleyball. And so what was attractive to you about this job? And then we'll get into building the program and, and what you've got now. But what what was attractive? I'm sure there had to have been even assistant coach opportunities that may have been more attractive than the head coaching job. Uh, well, you know, I, I I had done the assistant coaching thing again and, and at that time. And, and I had enjoyed my time at McNeese as an assistant. But I, I was kind of wanting to stay in the realm of head coaching and. Uh, really, the biggest thing was getting, I didn't really know much about the program outside of the few times we had seen. Uh, I think we might have played here once when I was at McNeese, and then um, we, every other time was, I think, at McNeese and Lake Charles. And um, my wife being from Louisiana, we were up in Oklahoma. She was kind of tired of being away from home. And so opportunity came to get, you know, some job opportunities closer to home. We, we I took a shot at them, and Jay gave me a chance. I came in for the interview and just really enjoyed the town. I think Hammond is a, is a, is a unique place. And um, really enjoyed my time. And then, uh, you know, I thought the university itself had some, some great qualities as far as, you know, size. And, and I think it's a good looking campus and trying to do a lot of great things. And we had facilities that, you know, you know, are they, are, they're not like cream of the crop in the entire country or anything like that, but, you know, to come in and play in a, a big arena is a real college atmosphere. And I felt like that's something that, um, that was going to be also, you know, easier with recruiting. And then, I also knew, and it's kind of been probably the biggest buoy of all, is that you know you had an you know an underused uh, resource, I guess, or an unused resource in a sense with Louisiana athletes that people tend to 
overlook in the world of volleyball because you know maybe the high school is not the highest level or the or the club's play is not the highest level or anything but I knew what I was doing we I'd coached high school ball and saw some great athletes and athletes are athletes no matter where the heck they come from and give them a little TLC and then uh you know they turn into South and Coverage champs apparently man isn't that the truth and I and, and I think that you nailed it right on the head I mean because you look at volleyball, especially on the North shore of Lake Pontchartrain, and then you get into the private school sector of New Orleans, the volleyball level is as good as anywhere. And you've really tapped into that. And we've seen what local talent can do for the university. We've seen it with the football program. Mm -hmm. At what point did you know, if I, you know, if we keep developing our own, we're going to have a chance to have something special because it really has been you know, building up into this. It's been a, a leading into this over the four years you've been there. Yeah, I think, you know, when, you, when I came to the program, knowing where it was, I was really looking for um, bringing in, you know, the, the kind of athletes that would exemplify the, the characteristics and the values that I hold dear. Um, and I think that are really important for success. And it's, you know, we wanted to have this family-like culture uh, with this great work ethic and kind of that blue-collar mentality. And I think that's really just, that's Louisiana in general. Um, you've got, you know, it's a, you know, a lot of close families. I mean, you know, we just, uh, a lot of people coming to matches, a lot of people just, even the volleyball community itself is like a family as well. So it's like, there's this a, an underlying sense that there's a value of family. Um, and then, you know, it's, like I said, the blue collar work ethic, you even, even I made a comment the other day. Um, even if you look at, you go into the private schools, uh, you know, you think private when I go when I'm from Texas and you go into the private schools there nine times out of 10, it's this immaculate facility and it's like high tech everything and, and all this kind of stuff. And you come here and it's like, you know, not that they're bad schools, but they're historical schools and they've got these these you know gritty looking gyms and stuff. And these kids are just grinding it out in these places. And, and it's not about the stuff. Um, and that's kind of the, something I wanted it to be. I wanted to bring kids in that just it wasn't about the stuff. It wasn't about what they got. It's about what they got to do. And that's kind of, I think, been the, the biggest buoy for our program is bringing in those kids um, and then, you know, tapping into some, you know, some nice athletes from other places, but using those kids to kind of create that culture. And then this year, the key to the success has been the home court advantage. You guys have not lost a game in the UC. You wind up getting to host the conference tournament. And then I thought it was so cool how even in the social media posts, the referencing of the crowds that were in the UC all weekend. I mean, if you can go back to your first match and then, you know, fast forward four years, I mean, just the difference had to have been crazy in the support. That's got to be really exciting to, to see. There's a genuine interest in winning. There's a genuine interest in Southeastern volleyball when we make the university proud. Yeah, I think that started, you know, when we first got here, you know, very few people in the stands and stuff, but it also had a lot to do with, you know, where they were coming, these kids were coming from. I think the first thing we did, bringing in Louisiana talent, um, you know, you got more families in and then all, more extended families and you got more people in the area like, oh, he's, you know, they're recruiting Louisiana kids. Let's go take a look at them. Let's go watch. So our, our crowds kind of grew just on the basis of bringing those kids in. But then, of course, the success followed it. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to be around a you know, good program and, and then uh, I think our marketing team's done a great job of kind of just creating some atmosphere, an atmosphere as well. You know, we're throwing out T-shirts a lot more. We're doing, you know, we're trying to do more stuff at our green and gold game that kind of just gets people involved. And, you know, I think those things are huge. Uh, the reach out to the student population has been great. And then also, you know, I mean, you've been around it. Like our, the other great, especially this weekend, you know, our sports 
this is probably one of the one places I probably the only place I've been where I feel like every single coach is just genuinely invested in, in the other sports. I'm wanting to see them be successful and, you know, making sure guys are out, you know, uh, you know, football and baseball guys are out, you know, being rowdy in the stands. And then, you know, you got the, our beach team and then women, it, it, it's almost a bummer that women's and men's basketball were out of, out of town because they're usually like right on court side going nuts. And um, so it was like, we had just great support from the, from the community. We had great support from our, you know, athletics. And we also had a lot of other students who just trailed in and um, wanted to be a part of something special. Yeah, I mean, you said it, you know, it's um, I don't know if they still make the shirts, but I remember um, it was 15 sports, one team. And that is so true. You know, it's easy to make the shirt, but, you know, especially the baseball team man. the baseball team has always been uh, huge supporters of everything uh, around the university. And then um, did you think you would be in this position so early? It is crazy that it's been four years. Of course, you have the covid year. Um, but it is crazy that it's already year four and now you've accomplished something that no team in Southeastern volleyball history has done. That's win a conference championship. You're headed to the NCAA tournament. Uh, did you expect it to happen this fast? I mean, I don't think you expect anything like that. We know we brought in the right kind of kids to make it possible. Um, you know, but I think, you know, winning a championship is really about a lot of different things. It's about luck. It's about, you know, health. It's about, you know, just a special group of kids being able to come together and do the right things. And um, I think the luxury we had this year is that even though we weren't ex exceptionally healthy all year long, um, we had we had developed some depth, you know, and so having that depth kind of carried us through some times when some of our, our, our big key players were out. And uh, and so that was huge. I mean, I don't know that you could have ever thought it was going to happen this fast. I mean, I'm just I'm proud of our kids, man. I think that is they've worked their tail off. You know, I got Ari in the other room right now working on some uh, project or something like that with Coach Gabby. And uh, she's uh, we were just talking, you know, after the match, she comes up and hugs me and stuff. And she goes, Coach, I told you we were going to get you one. We're not going to leave here without a ring. So it's like it's nice to see those kids. They, they wanted it. I mean, that's a kid that won four state championships in high school. And and, uh, you know, so it's them to come up and do that. And her remind me that, hey, Coach, we're going to get you one over here type thing. That, that was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, I think we talked about that when you first got hired was you, you're bringing these kids who are winning state championships, you know, at, at Pope John Paul. And, you know, you, you've got all the, the private schools that are there every year. You've got the Mount Carmel's, the Dominicans. Basically, every kid from those schools is going to play college volleyball. But mm -hmm. when they get there, it's, it's not always working out. And we, we saw that at Southeastern. Um, you know, how special is that to see these kids, I guess, grow and build this program? Because even your first year, you know, you guys are above 500, but you're not really competing for a conference title, you know, to build it up and to see them grow as competitors to get to where they are now. Um, you know, I think the big part about that, you know, when you bring in, you go and bring in winter kids and kids who you know, are going to make plays at the end when it, when it really matters. And I think that's the first thing we were trying to look for is kids that have been there and we're going to make those plays. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't turn around that quick because, one, you've kind of you've got to build, you know, a tradition of winning in a sense, and 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 not just winning it. Mean, it's hard to get over that hump, I guess. But you know, I was coaching. Mm -hmm. We'll go back to the story. I go. I was coaching at Barb High School, and um, you know, each year that I was there, we played St. Thomas More. And at the time, right before I got there, St. Thomas More was still in five A with us. I was in our thing, and then they had dropped down to four A right before I took the job, and. And we'd still played. I mean, it was like they were beating the heck out of us when I was a freshman coach and when I was the head coach. 
think they beat us in four the first year, beat us in five the next year. I don't remember if we played them the third. Maybe that was the one year we didn't. Mm. And then I, I left we and I took a look and figured out to go to the college realm. And we, you know, but we had them on the schedule for the next year. And I go and actually watch that match and, you know, look at possible kids to recruit. And um, they beat them in four. And it was like, okay, that was kind of the culmination of understanding that this team had gotten to the point where they weren't afraid to win these big matches anymore. And so even though bringing in the kids that have done it helps, but the reality is, is like, you know, we hadn't won a conference tournament. We'd been here four years and still had yet to win a conference tournament match. Mm-hmm. We've been every single year. Um, but it's taken that time to get to the point where you learn how to win those. Like a, a, a program that's not been successful, no matter how many good players you have and, and successful players you have, that program still hasn't done it yet. And so yeah. when we, over time, we kind of just grew that mindset and um, and just kind of kept, you know, pushing that we could do it, we could do it. And this year it was like, I mean, it was up in the air. We were we were really competitive and really good. And the top of the conference is really good, but we were going to have to go win some really tough matches um, to get there. And I, I think that part probably is where the kids, having done it before, is where that came into play. But I think up to that point, yeah, it, it's, it takes time to build that culture of winning at that program, regardless of what you've done in the past. And I and I think that that is what makes it so special. And for people who follow, you know line athletics is that you know we the volleyball program was so out of the conversation for so long that when I saw that during your first three years you guys didn't even win a tournament game I was shocked just because finally there was competition you know there was winning Um, and so now how much of the UC playing at the UC led to that because like you said uh, you did not go in as the one seed but hadn't lost a game at home all year and that's still the case. Um, do you feel like if this tournament was in Lake Charles, you guys are, you guys have a ring? Obviously, it's hard to say, but it had to be a huge factor to be at home. I mean, I don't know. We we played our, our kids played tremendous, but I do think, I think playing at home took a little of the edge off. You know, I think just having some comfort and being able to sleep in our own beds and and be in our, our our home crowd and and get you know we're especially in the conference you know championship match that where, you know, we're making big plays and getting rewarded with these, you know, big cheers and stuff from the crowd. And, and you, yeah, you wouldn't have gotten that other places. And so I think that definitely kind of got us over that edge. Had, could we have won at other places? I think we're talented enough to do it. I think our team's good enough to have beaten these teams on the road as well. Um, and we'd been pretty good on the road against the top of the conference. Just, it was the bottom of the conference that was giving us trouble for some reason. Um, but uh, so there's definitely some things there, but I can tell you, even playing McNeese, who we had just got done playing like the week before on a Thursday at McNeese, you know, you know, up 14, 11 in the fifth and their crowds getting involved as we're, you know, we're making a few mistakes and kind of turning into a, a much longer match than it needed to be. But, uh, you know, and squeaking it out there, that was a confidence builder, but you know, that crowd at McNeese kind of really helped them stay in it. And obviously you get here, we were able to play the exact same team and they played tremendously well. Uh, even gave us some more trouble at different positions that we weren't expecting. Like their outside scored a lot more on us, but different crowd situation, all of a sudden, you know, we get, and we are really go get them in four, make it a little bit easier on ourselves. So the UC is huge. Hammond America does a great job of coming out, especially for, I mean, for every sport, but especially for a winner. Um, and that's kind of really what's happened. And, you know, hope we just keep it going. 
Absolutely. And now looking forward a little bit, um, you know, you, your guys are going to get to, uh, you guys are going to get to have the watch party. That's got to be super exciting. Do you find out like a few minutes beforehand? I know where we're going. Are you finding out in real time? Um, I think we're finding out in real time. I mean, it's going to okay. be, I, I want, I mean, there, there might be a projection that comes out right before. I know we, we've seen the projections from this last week and it actually was kind of nice because it actually had us projected to win the South and anyway, um, all right. <laughs> but, uh, and so we've, we've kind of got an idea of where we might get, which we're pretty excited about. Um, but I mean, the reality is, is you just don't know. I mean, they'll mm-hmm. tell us if they tell us ahead of time, we'll try to keep it in. I probably won't tell the kids yeah. um, to see it in real time. But uh, if not, you know, we'll catch it on ESPNU just like the rest of the world. <laughs> is there obviously I know you're going to say you're excited to go wherever, but is there a place, you know, throughout your coaching career? Oh, my gosh, I would love to play in that atmosphere is there a place that you're kind of crossing your fingers and hoping you guys uh, draw well I mean unfortunately for uh for volleyball they kind of play it a little more regionally than they do maybe like yeah. in, uh, in the basketball tournament so it's not like they're going to send you to Hawaii or anything like that which would be kind of cool um <laughs> but uh you know it, it would be neat to get to play in uh at, at UT I mean they've kind of traditionally been the place that the Southland winner goes um but, you know, there's some friends I have now that are kind of in the southeast portion of the country that would just be really fun to go compete against that I haven't got to compete against. You know, uh, David Rare at uh, Houston is, a, is definitely an option, I think, for us. Or maybe go out into one of the Floridas or the Georgia kind of locations and see what that what happens there. But uh, it's really going to depend on this last week. And we still got, you know, another week of volleyball going on around the country. Um, yeah. so we'll see how, they, how things lay out. But uh, I'll be happy regardless, man. We're just we're excited for the opportunity to get into the dance and uh, – and our kids are just pumped about the chance to go compete on that stage. And I think it'd be great for not just this year's group, but also groups going forward, just knowing we've done it. That's the thing. The opportunity is going to be huge, you know, because the eyes of the volleyball world are going to be on you guys, maybe not at the beginning of the match for some reason, but you know, if you guys take that first set, all of a sudden we're putting a lot of eyes on that school down in Hammond that everybody mispronounces. Um, So what makes a national powerhouse volleyball team what is it what is the difference in the in the athletes that uh separates the mid-majors from from these top programs yeah it's probably a little more similar to what you see in like the the fbs versus fcs football where it's just uh the the size and athleticism just kind of overpowers it and stuff uh there's a lot of great players that don't touch 10 foot six you know or or aren't Logan Eggleston at, at uh, Texas touching, you know, near 11 feet, that kind of stuff. We, there's a lot of great players. Um, that's why you have good volleyball still at the mid-major level. But, you know, just as much as Southeastern getting ready to go play Idaho is uh, very different than getting Southeastern getting ready to go play Alabama in the first round of the mm-hmm. tournament or something like that would be. Um, it's just that kind of athleticism changing, you know, and, and it's it's not a knock on our athletes or great athletes and stuff. And there's a lot of kids that can go compete at a, an extremely high level. But sometimes we might have a kid at the outside hitter position that could be a libero on a, a power five program or a top 25 program. But she wants to hit instead of just mm-hmm. you know, just play back row. Um, and that just goes back to the testament of, you know, sheer athleticism or just size. I and mean, we got, you know, Wisconsin just uh Last year when they won, it had a six foot eight middle and a six foot nine right side, you know, and, uh, you know, our biggest kid on the team right now is about six, two. 
Um, and so it's like, there's a, there's a difference in that. And, you know, when you got a six foot eight kid that can, is the best slide attacker in the entire country, which is like one of the most athletic things you can do in the ball in the volleyball court. I mean, that's pretty, it's pretty impressive. We don't see a lot of six foot eight kids with that kind of athletic, <laughs> yeah, at the Southland level. So. Um, coach, now that, uh, you know, it's here, you guys are now uh, preparing for this, for this stretch. Um, it has to be exciting to, you know, watch it, I guess, on more of a national stage. You're probably only following it during the year at a conference level. Um, what is national volleyball's, I guess, uh, the, the hierarchy? Because obviously in Louisiana, we do not have men's volleyball. Is there more of a following for the men's sport or, or because of the size of the women's sport, is, is that kind of the, uh, the cream of the crop in terms of those who follow the sport? It's a, it's a little more of a regional thing. Um, you know, you've got, you're going to see a, a bigger mixture of following in more of the, for the sport and more of like the, the West coast where you've got a lot of men's and women's programs um, you know, but really the Mecca of volleyball right now is going to be the big 10 in the at Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio state, Penn state kind of area where you've got just the, the, these phenomenal, I mean, it's basically pro volleyball you're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got these phenomenal athletes playing at the highest levels of competition. These are programs that have, you know, are actually now turning profit, you know, so it's no longer just their actual revenue programs. Wow. Nebraska sold out. I want to say like, 300 straight matches or something like that for, you know, they've, uh, we had the Nebraska Creighton match that had to be played in the convention center that the national championship game is going to be played in this year with 15,000 plus in attendance. And then the next week, Florida goes to Wisconsin and puts over 16,000 in there. It's just like, it's just, it's unreal what we're doing with the sport. And, uh, but that really is the heart and soul of it. Starting to see a little more growth in the big 12 and the sec kind of helping it, which is, you know, to be said, you know, probably going to continue to happen because two of the biggest uh, areas in uh, club volleyball are Texas and Florida. And mm-hmm. we're starting to see it continue to grow across the Gulf coast. So I think you're going to continue to see it grow. I mean, we're, I think the last thing I heard was, or I saw we're like 7,000 uh, high school uh, participants away from overtaking track and field as the wow. one women's sport, which people never thought could be, could be possible. Um, but we've, I think we're like 70,000 participants above women's basketball now. So it's a vastly growing sport. I think you're going to see it continue to grow. I mean, the, um, you know, the TV money and stuff that's starting to happen, the amount of p- teams we've had, you know, we've got so many teams on ESPN plus we've had so many matches this year on ESPN and even on main broadcast like CBS or NBC. So it's, that's huge for our sport. I think it's going to keep growing that way, but definitely, you know, you've got a mixture of following there. Men's volleyball is growing in our, in our area, especially in the, the North shore and, and, and New Orleans area, but uh, it's a little further behind um than the rest in that west coast side of the country but man it's definitely you know that big 10 area that big 10 country that's kind of carrying the sport for us right now and i'll give a shout out to eric eric Ritchie over there at varsity sports now if you if you're a volleyball fan there's nobody who loves the sport more than eric i mean eric has done a great job growing the sport in in louisiana coach the world cup's going on are you are you following it all um I need to be. I've been a little too wrapped up in stuff between. Yeah, uh, you're, you, 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 you've um, had some stuff going on. You've had some stuff going on. Between that and then, you know, I'm sure you, I don't know if you've heard or anything, but I'm sure you have about one of our athletes losing their, um, their younger brother this, you know, this past week. And so that's kind of been at the forefront of our minds, but, uh, but I definitely need to get out there and get on and get to watch. And I'm, 
I mean, one of our best opportunities, right, with this uh, U.S. team to, to go out and have a chance to really make a run. So that's pretty awesome for us. Yeah. Could you talk about, you know, the Tolles family and, you know, because obviously they've meant a lot to the sport of volleyball in the state of Louisiana, but then just the strength of, 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 of that family to, to push through, obviously, a, a, just an unimaginable tragedy. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this to quite a few people. Volleyball is not something that they do. It's really something they live. And literally every, all four kids were, you know, played volleyball. Um, you know, of course, Danny coaches, you know, has been one of the best coaches in not just the state, but one of the best coaches in the country for a long time. And, and then, you know, even uh, Diana uh, coaches club every single year as well. And so that's the whole family's immersed in the sport. Um, and, and, you know, for, I mean, one, Losing a 16-year-old um, from any family is is way too young. We don't I mean that's the it's shocking every time it happens. Um, but it was also it's, you know we're talking about a, the way our program is is like it's a it's a member of our family in a sense. And um, you know I'm just you know I love that family so much. They've been so great to my family, my kids. Colin, the youngest, puts up with my son every dang game and like running around like nobody's eating. So that they're a phenomenal family and it's. Um, what, you know, seeing what Allie was able to do in the state finals, you know, playing her heart out and being so strong in the interviews and stuff after, um, seeing what Anzi has been able to do, um, you know, just getting on the court and stuff because how close she, her and Chris, uh, Christian were and, and, uh, you know, and, and watching Danny be able to, you know, be out there as a dad. I mean, I know, uh, he was here with Anzi the, the night, the day after when we played UIW and I'm, I'm just thinking the whole time, like, there's no chance that, uh, I will, I coach this match if it's my child. Um, so, I mean, and I know, but, but again, volleyball means more to them than just a sport and, um, and for them to be able to do that and just support her that way in the face of that tragedy is pretty tremendous. And that I think is a, a lovely way to, to end this. And, you know, um, again, we're, we're keeping them in our thoughts and prayers, obviously a terrible, terrible situation uh, there in a, in the Slidell area, but uh, coach, Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. Can't wait to see where the Lady Lions are headed. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me, brother. Thanks so much to Coach White. Lady Lions. It's going to shock the world. Can't wait for the... I don't even know if they do 30 for 30s anymore. The school in Louisiana that everyone mispronounced on their magical run to a national championship. It starts next week. Thanks, Coach White. Hopefully we'll, we'll talk to Coach after we find out where the Lady Lions are headed. Hopefully they get our logo right on the selection show. They've actually been doing a really good job with that, which I've been surprised with. We'll see if they put the correct name, though. Or which kind of name they go with. Are they going to go S.E. Louisiana? They're going to give us Southeastern, which I understand not giving us Southeastern. You know, there is a Southeastern and there's plenty more Southeastern, you know, directional state schools. So I understand not just giving us Southeast anyway. All right. We'll wrap up the show uh, with two two things that I want to talk about. Uh, I'm sure there's more Southeastern people doing good things, but I want to give a shout out to two people. Hutch Gonzalez, new head coach at Live Oak. And the reason that I love Coach Gonzalez is because he is a former member 
of the New Orleans Voodoo. The Arena Football League's New Orleans Voodoo. Let me pull up Coach Gonzalez's stats from the highest level of professional football. In my mind, I'm just saying, I don't see Tom Brady winning the Arena Bowl. How many Arena Bowls does Tom Brady have? None. How many touchdowns does Tom Brady have in the AFL? None. You know how many Hutch has? Two. 28 receptions, 335 yards, and he played both ways because that's arena ball. Three tackles for Hutch, too. Coach Gonzalez, congratulations. Really, I just wanted to talk about my love of the voodoo there. That's all that was. And then, how about the Southern Miss Golden Eagles? Led by our good friend, you know what, I'm going to say it, our great friend, Jay Ladner. They are a perfect, now, and I'm checking the Conference USA standings because they changed leagues, they're in the Sun Belt now, they are a perfect 5-0, and looking to go 6-0, and depending on when you listen to this, on Wednesday against Purdue at Fort Wayne, 5-0, and I am so ecstatic for Coach Ladner because it's been tough in Hattiesburg for him, but he's rolling. He also gave us a Twitter follow today. He didn't have to do that. You talk about a guy that just pays it back, you know, stays in touch, a wonderful human being, and it couldn't happen to a better guy. Coach Ladner's Golden Eagles, 5-0. and I'm sure Southeastern. Coach Kiefer's squad and Southern Miss, they'll meet in the Elite Eight. And we can't wait for that. All right. So with that, that's our, that's our show. That's our first show. Thanks so much. If, you're, if you stuck around this long, you deserve a trophy. And I will find one for you eventually. Come back on Friday. We'll have a preview of the uh, FCS playoff matchup, Idaho and Southeastern. Special guest for that one. Not going to tell you who it is. But... You're going to find out a lot of really interesting stuff about what goes into hosting an FCS playoff game. That gives you a hint for who it is, and hopefully that doesn't jinx uh, the time that we have uh, slotted out to interview that person. Anyway, great show on Friday. Great show today. Huge thanks again to Jeremy White. Huge thanks to everyone who stuck around for this. And um, again, we will see you on Friday. It's lying up over everything. This is the state of Southeastern.